Hello, audacious listeners. It's Mercy, your fave Gen Z on your fave Gen Z careers podcast, Audacity of We. Each episode, I'll be having chats about the reality, honesty, and spilling all the Gen Z tea when it comes to careers. So, let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to Audacity of We, the podcast, your fave Gen Z careers podcast. And today I have an amazing guest on the podcast called Charlotte, who's been doing amazing things in influencer marketing and making it more inclusive and closing that influencer pay gap, which I'm really excited to talk about as well. So Charlotte, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm currently in Ibiza. I am in the sun, enjoying life a little bit um, before getting back into the grind with work. But Charlotte, I call myself the CEO of Hyping Up My Friends. So I bring that energy into my podcast with my podcast guests. So I'm going to do a little bit of hyping up for you. Are you ready? Mm. Let's go. Right. So I came across Charlotte when the conversation around the influencer pay gap was gaining a lot of traction and there was the launch of the influencer pay gap um, page on Instagram as well. And I wanted to understand, you know, this transparency in influencer marketing. It's a, re- it's a space that people, you know, don't really know all too much about, especially when it comes to numbers and specifically when it comes to the payment and the fees that white influencers get versus non-white influencers so I thought that was very interesting so I wanted to find out who was doing things in the space especially in the UK scene and I came across 76 agency I was like okay first of all sounds interesting love the name and then I found out that you were the founder and first of all the talent roster that 76 agency has is amazing I've had the privilege of working with some incredible people there already and I also found that you have been a recipient of some awards as well, one of them being Adweek's 2021 Futures Female Awards, which no surprises there when you dig into the work that you do. And I was just like really interested. Then I found out about your passion for like sustainability and like fashion and how those worlds can also come together. And you have two podcasts that really speak to that as well with BBC Radio 4's All Consuming and Sustainably Influenced, which is a podcast with your co-host as well. And on top of that, you also recently became sustainability contributors on The Gadget Show. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on, <laughs> but you're just going to have to go to Charlotte's website or something like that to see all the more athletes that there are. But Charlotte, you just are an amazing energy. I think you're a bright light. We actually got to meet in person thanks to the OK Mentor Summit. And I was like, you have the most inviting smile. Like you're just such a positive <laughs> energy. So, I mean, I feel like I'm so, so excited that we've been able to make this work. You're super busy. So I appreciate the time. And I'd love for you to come in, introduce yourself. I've left no room for you to be humble. Tell the people who <laughs> you are and everything that you're doing when it comes to influencing and when it comes to sustainability and fashion, all of it. Wow, I feel like I don't need to say anything. You've done it all for me. Um, thank you so much. So I'm Charlotte. I am the founder of 76 Agency. I also have two podcasts, as you said, one um, with the BBC, which is called All Consuming, which I co-host with Amit Katwala, who is a science journalist. And we talk about the just our, the general public's kind of history and relationship with consumption um, and products and, and all things weird and wonderful. We talk about toilet paper and uh funerals and I can't even think other random things that we've done vapes and we deep dive into into each subject and then I have the sustainably influenced podcast that I host with my co-host Bianca Foley and that is all about sustainability and it's all about deep diving into what it actually means so we speak to professionals in the space and we dig up articles that break down different topics around the word sustainability and we just kind of help not only ourselves understand but again the general public understand what sustainability really is and what that me- that word means um i also am a presenter and host i do a lot of talks and a lot of hosting for brands and other agencies around the topic of influence marketing uh inclusive marketing and um also just fashion and whatever kind of floats my boat if if it's something that I can link to then I will talk about it but I leave everything to the experts if not 
um and that's me yeah honestly so much to your name I'm really interested actually in the name 76 agency and how that came about can you give a little backstory yeah you know what's interesting no one really asks about the name which I find hilarious because when I um was setting up the company it took me a good six months to figure out what I wanted it to be called um and it was really stressful uh so seven six is actually a nod to the 1976 race relations act which now makes up the 2010 equality act and it essentially said that um you couldn't be discriminated against in the uk um in the working environment and that's what we're about the lack of diversity in the influencer space is why the the agency exists so we are trying to stop discrimination um in that space Wow, I really did not think about that story at all. And I think it's very interesting that no one thought about it. Not many people, you know, talk about the name because that was the first thing in my head. I'm like, I just know it has a really rich meaning to it. And it does. Like, I think that's incredible that you linked it to something even before, you know, the more known 2010 Equalities Act, something before that, which I actually don't know much about the history. So thanks for bringing that. I think you've probably told a lot more people about something they didn't know. I think, yes. I spoke about it the other day at a talk that I was doing about the influence pay gap and I kind of mentioned how I find it truly bizarre that in the influencer space we openly discriminate against um creators and a lot of the time it's due to their their race and how illegal that was and I went down the legislation route and it kind of explained the equality act and then where my name came from and everyone was like oh yeah we we do see that quite a lot and I was like yeah there's a lot of laws being broken here that no one's really thought about yeah and like we were kind of saying at the top of the episode influencing is a space where it's quite unknown and there's a lot of things that people might not be aware of so therefore the rules or the the laws or policies may get really lost in that space because people aren't paying attention to it as much where it's like actually now you've come into the scene and being like "Mm, that doesn't look quite right or that law is actually applicable here too and let's honor it and I think that's amazing that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. So I am so excited to get kickstarted with the different segments of this episode. And we're going to start with this something I call the Tea with Gen Z. And we've talked about sustainability and we've also talked about fashion. And I love how those worlds are starting to come together. But it is also a bit of a dilemma as well. So let's get into it. And I was reading about some things and hearing that it's becoming more common that Gen Z are falling out of love with fast fashion. It's not something that they want to be as involved in anymore, but are conflicted in terms of the affordability of sustainable fashion. And also with fast fashion, it's heavily influenced by influencers as well. So there's all of these aspects coming in, which I find even for myself as Gen Z, I'm like, well, of course I want to do better for the planet, but equally does my like coin allow me to do that? And I'd love to talk about kind of how sustainability meets affordability and with Gen Z's, how that can actually play out in the reality. So I'd love to get your first thoughts on this dilemma. Have you seen it? Have you had conversations around it? And what are you you thinking? So I am obsessed with Gen Z in general. Um, I think you are, so I look like I'm part of the Gen Z crew and I'm really into that, but I'm very much a mid-age millennial um to like the date um of my of my birthday I am mid-age millennial and I am just so intrigued and in awe of all things um kind of gen z activism mindset everything so um we've actually done a podcast episode on sustainably influenced I don't think it's come out yet but we spoke about um well, actually it might have been last season we're doing so much recording at the moment I actually can't remember which episode sits where um but we spoke about this a little bit about um kind of Gen Z behavior in terms of sustainability and um fast fashion and their shopping habits but um Forbes released a stat that they said that 62 percent of uh Gen Zers preferred to buy from sustainable fashion brands and there was another stat that we got from um business of fashion and I can't remember off the top of my head but it was focused around um luxury fashion and how Gen Zers were re- really uh, this makes me sound so old saying Gen Zers 
Gen Z are really it's okay. You're you're like one of us in spirit. It's cool. I am <laughs> in spirit very much. Um, that that they were buying heavily into luxury fashion. Um, more so than ever before in terms of generation splits, and I just find it so interesting because there's so much to be said about this generation in terms of how they consume. It's so different to how any other generation has ever consumed um, consumer goods and marketing. So you live on social media. That's where you've always been. You grew up with it. Millennials and boomers have a very different relationship with social media. We, so my generation, we started using Facebook um, and that's where we um, we sat. And I, I saw this uh, meme a couple of weeks ago that was like, for millennials, Facebook is an is a website. For Gen Z, Facebook is an app, and that says everything you need to say. You know, we came from a, a website generation where everything was very different, and now everything's on your phone, ready to go. Um, and TikTok has really changed that. And I see a lot of um, young people really using their platforms. Um, for activism in the sustainability space, but in like large scale and small scale. And that's just all maybe in the blood of Gen Z, but all through education. So sharing, um, sharing how products get made, sharing the good and the bad. And we've seen a lot of cancel culture in the last few years. And I think now we've kind of shifted to call out culture and Gen Z do a great um, job of that calling out brands that are doing wrong because they just expect better and that's what I love we millennials haven't done that as much and we are quite quite complacent and I feel like as time's gone on we've just kind of accepted for what everything for what it is but Gen Z are asking a lot of questions and the relationship with fast fashion is is always a difficult one because of the price point but also, if we think about thrift shops, secondhand shopping, vintage shops, and that massive boom in the last couple of years, that's because there's a cry for it. And, you know, these people are buying fast fashion products, but a lot of them, they're buying secondhand or they're using websites like Vinted or Depop um, and eBay as well, but not as much um, on the Gen Z side, I don't think. But yeah, there's there's a lot of conversation around sustainability, but like the different pillars of it. So like buying secondhand, fast fashion can be seen as sustainable because you're not buying it from, you know, the source and you're not contributing to more products being being made. Um, but then there's also the idea of buying sustainable, I say quote unquote, um, sustainable brands. So I actually don't think any brand can be sustainable, but um, maybe looking at like ethical brands or brands that have been made with sustainably sourced uh, materials or textiles, whatever. Um, and they're a bit more expensive, but for some reason, Gen Z have more money than millennials ever had. And that is also because they buy and sell everything. They make money through TikTok and through lots of different ways, social media that we just didn't have the opportunity to. Um, so yeah, it is really interesting, but I think sustainable fashion and, and Gen Z are really closely interlinked and the future of sustainable fashion, I think, really lies in the power of Gen Z and their um, ability to shout the loudest and actually be heard. Yeah, I agree. I think there is a, an increasing like magnetic force between sustainable fashion and Gen Z. And I want to actually pick up on what you were talking about with like cancel culture and call out culture and like how brands are finding maybe in terms of their values and how they align with Gen Z and all that kind of stuff is becoming a little bit more difficult to grapple with. I'd love to throw another term in the mix called crush culture, which I came across. And mm. the explanation of the term is that Gen Z are not necessarily looking into social impact when making purchases as consciously but as soon as they have a reason to believe a brand isn't being virtuous then they will promptly see their way out 
they're like, I'm going to switch to a different company. I'm taking my coin elsewhere. However, on the flip side, if a brand has proven to align with their values, Gen Z's values, then they are likely to rally for that brand, be with that brand, be like, absolutely, let's shout about it. And I think that's really interesting where it's like kind of the two sides in this when it comes to crush culture, um, where, you know, if you're not doing what is right or in the eyes of someone is right then I'm I'm gone like see you later and I'll probably say something about it and on the other side it's like I will champion you like I will be there and I will say positive Mm -hmm. things about it and I think it's very interesting you know with that term and I guess you know have you seen that come up more and what do you kind of think about crush culture? You know I haven't actually heard that term but I I completely understand what what it means and I think it's the epitome of Gen Z in the way that, and I think you described it perfectly there, and that they're not actively looking for these brands, but I think there's an expectation that these brands are doing the right thing. And when they're not, it's like, okay, well, you should have been, so see you later, fix that. We'll come back when it's fixed. And then for now, we're going to focus on this. And if you look at um, social media accounts like Diet Prada, as an example, perfect perfect example of how brands that are doing wrong are being called out brands that are doing well are being shouted about and I at first I thought Diet Prada was like a negative um kind of social media platform in the sense that they're always calling out but I've seen so many posts that are negative but like needed may I add but now I've, I've really delved into it and I can see that they promote so many great brands as well and they showcase all the good things that are happening and I think that's a good example of of cross-culture right there um calling out the bad praising the good but they're just so good at it and I I say this um because I have a a sister-in-law who's 19 my my husband's little sister and I just look at how she shops and her friends and their conversations and how they go and protest and it's just so interesting what they how they absorb information there's this real expectation that everyone needs to be doing better and they don't ask too many questions but then when they're kind of let down everyone knows about it and I think that is a really good way for brands to really understand what they should be doing now back in the day no one asked any questions, but no one had any expectations. No one understood what sustainability meant. No one understood what was going on in, in factories and how unethical fashion was because it was never spoken about. Now we have this information. There's this real expectation that brands are paying you know, their, their factory workers and everyone in the supply chain a fair salary, that people are being taken care of and going to work and, and having safe conditions. Um, We've never thought about this in fashion outside of people, you know, actually in the industry that um, that work and deal with this. But now it's common conversation. We're seeing headlines with like Boohoo.com and they're, you know, even coming to the UK, having their factory in Leicester paying, you know, under living wage. Um, and you can't kind of hide from that anymore. So there's this expectation that you you need to be doing well or we're just not going to buy from you. And obviously that uh, fast fashion isn't going to go away and that isn't the case for every single person in the world um, because otherwise, you know, boohoo.com and pretty little thing wouldn't exist. But we're seeing it more and more and it is exciting and it does help change mindsets. And I think it also helps change like parents' mindsets and older siblings who have never thought about this before but are now hearing younger people talk about it and they're like, oh, I didn't know, you know, garment workers weren't being paid and were working in terrible conditions and then also when you bring it home to the UK it makes it more um it's sad regardless of where it is but it makes it more kind of I don't know shocking because you're like oh this wouldn't happen here and I say no it happens everywhere and then yeah I think it's it's bringing more um consciousness to so many people's lives so yeah Gen Z have a lot um of good lot of weird and wonderful as well but a lot of good that they are contributing to to the world 
Yeah, I, I love how you said weird and wonderful. Um, I definitely agree alongside that. But I love as well you talking about the increased transparency that there is in the fashion space, which I think is what brands are, are grappling with in mm. terms of like, oh, wait, they can find out this or they can find out how much this salary was or where this factory is located. And we were also talking about, you know, with the 7-6 name in terms of the policies and everything around that and how that's just becoming more aware and people are actually you know reading the small prints and being like actually holding brands to account and and having that transparency and I believe that's you know where a lot of these conversations are coming from and therefore dictating almost you know where people shop and they're like I can't be with a brand that doesn't you know rate their workers or they don't sustainably um get their products or anything like that so I totally agree and I think transparency is a massive thing here and the way we access information as well it's it's everywhere <laughs> you know there's so many sources of information that isn't filtered through something like the media all the time so definitely agree there now I think that was a great way to wrap up you know the tea and everything when it comes to affordability sustainability and fashion and I hope there's quite a few tips in there where people can you know lean more into the sustainable fashion space but I'd love to get into the advice segment of the podcast talking about you know how you've gotten to, to where you are but you know reflecting as well on the things past and anything that you would do differently so this is called the one thing handbook and the reason it's called the one thing handbook is that each listener who's listening to these episodes can grab at least one piece of advice from the podcast whereby it be something positive or something a lot more practical or something that's a challenge that they might face in the future so let's start with some positivity we're going to start with um the feeling of joy and i'd love for you to chat about one thing about your job and your career and your agency that brings you joy something you can tap into and you're like yeah this is why I'm doing this I get so much joy when I hear case studies so we work with so so many creators be that creators that we manage exclusively um at 76 on our roster or creators that we work with on managed campaigns through our influencer networks we work with just under a thousand creators non-exclusively that we pair with brands and we help give advice and um, help people understand their pricing and how to be basically an influencer and I get so much joy from hearing people come back and say oh I got this deal um, and I made this much money or I did this and got this and the way I think about it is creators are freelancers and a lot of them have kind of taken taken the pun and just started this journey into content creation and there's no kind of rule book there it's quite um it's quite scary when you become a content creator because you don't no one really tells you how to do it you don't know how much you're supposed to charge there's just so many, you read a contract and you're like what does this mean but if you can get all that down and you get paid properly for a campaign and you start doing something you like and you can build a career off of that um you know, that's amazing. And I've just really loved hearing people say like, oh, I'm now a full-time creator or I negotiated this deal and got, you know, this much money or they've booked me again or, you know, just like little things just really makes me happy. And really also in a world that we're in right now, hearing people just say they got paid. I know it sounds really just like such a small detail, but it's really tough times there. I have so many friends who are, are worried about money and struggling with with money because they're unsure about their career path and as you get older being unsure about your career is really difficult because you have to make serious decisions about where you live can you afford your rent like when I was younger I was very lucky to if I needed to I could have lived with my parents um and relied on them a lot um for just backup like I luckily didn't need it but if I ever needed backup I was always like oh you know if I don't make money if I quit my job I'll just move home it's cool as you get older some people don't have that as, as a youngster but also as you get older you kind of don't have that as easily like if I just said to my parents now hey I'm a grown woman I'm 32 I'm married you know I've got a business but I'm actually just going to move back in with you they'd be like what like no 
<laughs> we're living our retired life let me live um so hearing people say that they can afford their life because they were able to do something that they loved really makes me happy yeah I totally resonate with that in terms of I love hearing people's success stories but like their personal success stories yeah. so it could be literally something as little as you know I went for a run and I've not done that in like five months or I've not done that in a year and I'm like yes go you like that's amazing or something bigger where it's like they might have got their biggest paycheck or they might have gotten their biggest deal and I think it's the you know individualized success stories that I totally resonate as well and with my circle of friends I just love individual wins that people they feel proud about and I'm like oh yes and if I've had any part of that it's just an extra like cherry on top I'm like oh my goodness that's amazing so I totally resonate with that idea and like you said case studies because it can really show like practical steps as how they got to where you know the success came from and whatever win that they just had you're like okay this is how you did it let's see how we can replicate it again and I can imagine that's how you work with some of your talent as well yeah most definitely it's all about strategy so if we can pinpoint what went right for someone then we can hopefully replicate it for someone else yeah that's amazing. Okay, so that's a really great, I feel like that was a wholesome start. So I love that for us. But we are going to get into some more of the challenging. And I want to go into something where it's one thing you've learned as a career watch out, especially in a space like influencing, that is a little bit more uncertain. What is something that you would say is a career watch out? So for me, education is everything. So knowing what you're doing, why and how, is just really important. So I know so many creators who are just making content and then know nothing else about the industry. So they don't know really how much they should be charging. They don't know, um, well, they do now because I know them, but they didn't um, know how much they should be charging. They, sh they don't know like how a campaign works or how to like reach out to brands and how to like build your own strategy. And I think, without knowing that information you're really ruining your chances of success so my biggest watch out would be watch out for yourself know that everything you do needs to have some kind of strategy or plan and that you can do it yourself you don't need to like rely on someone giving you the tools I have a lot of patience for people that you give them you know a little bit of advice and then they go out and then they do it themselves I see a lot of people I'm part of lots of lots of whatsapp groups and um like email chains where it's like uh freelancers doing stuff and I see a lot of mess just a lot of emails and whatsapp messages of like hey can anyone tell me how to do and they like list all this stuff and I'm just like google is your friend um there's probably a podcast that's explained this somewhere also like there's loads of blog posts and TikToks of like how this works. Like I feel like back in the day, I learned everything I know how to do from YouTube. Now you can learn everything you need to know about running a business, building like your career, no matter what it is on TikTok. There's a one minute video out there that is a series for whatever you want to do. So, you know, don't rely too much on other people. It's always great to ask for help. I'm not saying don't, but there's a lot that you can do for yourself but you have to take the time to actually just figure out yeah I totally hear that when it comes to taking that time like I think people find it oh I don't have enough time I don't have enough time but are you creating the time to mm. do it and I think that's something that people like are really grappling with on on how to do that and make that fit into what their current schedule of life is and it's like if you really want something and yes there's different things that can impact it but truly like prioritizing and learning how to prioritize and creating time for these types of things to do that self-research and then you can have the offshoot questions where you're like oh let me you know maybe ask Charlotte this or let me ask so and so that and I think that's really important to show that you've done the work that you're serious you're like yeah I really I'm serious about this now I can ask the more elevated questions where they can tap into a bit more because you don't want to waste people's time either you want to get the real juice of like advice and information that can take you further rather than you know something you could have gotten off of a TikTok video exactly do you know what this is a real if anyone's listening to this that has done this to me 
like this was you um I have a lot of women who reach out to me via LinkedIn and that's actually one of the reasons why I don't really use LinkedIn anymore because every time I go on it's because someone wants something um not because people are doing fun things it's just really weird um or they email me and they'll like put a meeting in place and it seems like they're looking to like work with the company or like give an opportunity to a creator or something and I like get in there and I sit down in the meeting and this has happened I don't know in the last year about 10-15 times and it, I'm now like really harsh on my time but they basically sit open the meeting the google meeting whatever starts and then within two seconds they'll do their niceties and then they'll say okay so I've got this but basically they, they organize pick pick your brain meetings with me but without asking me to pick my brain because if they ask if they were to ask me I would I would say no <laughs> and I would give them some links of things that they could do instead but these and it's always women um they sit down and they pick my brain without my consent and I feel extremely awkward and I sit there and I give them all the information and then they say thanks and then I'm like cool so is there because I have to have meetings to build my company and to find work for my creators so I'm like okay cool so what about this and they're like oh yeah you know I'll I'll have a think about that or whatever they, they won't give me anything essentially so they'll sit there for half an hour or 20 minutes and ask me all these questions to help build their businesses which I completely understand you know we need support um and then they'll close the zoom and then they'll be like cool thanks bye and then I won't hear from them until like they need something else again and it's really sad and it really upsets me because I've never done that to anyone I'm actually um really bad at asking for help because I feel like I'm taking people's time and it, the thought of that really stresses me out but um so many people feel that they have the right to people's time and I've heard other people say this before like oh I need to book a meeting with this person and I've been like but why like go, go to them with with questions but like they don't they can't like build your strategy for you because you don't know how to build it you need to figure that out yourself and there's mentorship programs for this kind of stuff or like hire a coach you, you don't need to like rudely book a meeting in to I don't know ambush someone into building your marketing strategy or, or your business plan um but yeah that's an aside but that happens quite a lot in the world and people don't need to do that just a bit of advice yeah. I think that's really you know hard truth advice I think that's very important to bring up because it it's a very it sounds like a very extractive process and yeah. it's that conversation is only what like even though there's two people in the conversation it sounds it's only beneficial to one side where two parties might not have even been agreed on what the purpose of the meeting was and I think it's really important that you bring that up because I feel like founders who may be listening are probably going through the same thing and learning how to set your boundaries I can imagine and I've talked to different founders who have found this very difficult of learning how to set your boundaries without sounding rude and then being that person in the industry where people are like oh I don't don't know about this person but equally like boundary setting I have heard and I can imagine and I've you know started to realize is really important and more of a long run type of win than in the short term where it feels really awkward and uncomfortable and I really want to also tell listeners and people who will be you know setting up meetings and may want to reach out to a founder who might have not exclusively put themselves out in the coaching or mentoring space just yet because they too are learning is don't allow it to be that extractive process I can imagine it's really draining mm -hmm. and just quite unfair as well and also especially as someone who's Gen Z like it is surprising on how much value yourself in terms of information and insight you can bring also to the conversation yeah I think that's important what do you think in terms of like how can people be like who they're like, well, I'm nowhere near where they are in their journey, but so what can I bring to the conversation? Oh my goodness. I think people really underestimate their experiences. So I um, have meetings all the time with people that I find interesting. 
and there's no kind of like reason for the meeting it's just I have I set up chats with people that I think there's some kind of mutually beneficial um experience there so I as an example actually I have one friend who um is a founder of an agency it's no of a business so it's completely different to mine but we have a meeting every quarter that is sometimes we go out for breakfast or lunch sometimes we have a drink sometimes we just do it on the phone or on zoom and we just chat about everything we've done for the last quarter and there's no there's no reason for it there's no um like work kind of thing here it's just tell me what you've done and I'll tell you what I've done and we're from completely different industries but what's so interesting is every time we finish those meetings I'm actually meeting her today funnily enough um every time we have one of those meetings we um we both leave with ideas and we haven't no one's pulled anything extra than anyone else no, we've not like gone into those those chats with any specific kind of agenda it's just what are you up to what are you doing next quarter like what's the plan how did this go like how, you know any stories it's just really random but we always end up feeling really positive because a it's a nice catch up with a friend um that we're busy people and we don't always have um and b it's just a bit of inspiration and there's always some some kind of inspiration there. And I think it's really important to note that community and networking is everything when you're a founder. Um, if you don't have a, a support system, um, not just like friends and family, but like that kind of founder support system, it, it will be quite difficult um, because your husband or your sister or whoever might not actually understand the problems that you're going through, but there will be someone out there who has been through that and they will understand so that's really important um but then secondly just someone to chat to um that you can draw inspiration from and also give because it doesn't matter where you are as you said there's always something that you can share with someone that could inspire them to do something and I know CEOs that have been in this business like the ad industry business for you know 20 years and I meet with them and talk about things that we're doing at my company that's so small and they're like I've never thought about doing that and they are so ahead in terms of their their journey um than me and I can still inspire them to do things and they can teach me so many things that I need to know about running a business and, and being a boss and and whatever um so there's always a back and forth and it doesn't matter about your age it doesn't matter about how um long you've been in this career it's to do with sharing and inspiration yeah honestly when you were saying about a mutually beneficial experience I think that's like a really important tagline for people if you're going to take anything from the podcast so far I think that's a really important part to bring out in terms of how it can really be beneficial to both sides now I want to go into the next part where it is talking about one thing you wish you knew at the start of your career and what if you could go back to Charlotte, you know, when you were starting out, you know, this founder journey, what would you tell her? Do you know what? The one thing that I wish I'd known, well, there's two things. Firstly, if I could, I'd love to have known where I ended up because this isn't the journey that I thought I was going to have. It's a lot bigger. And I'm like, oh, well done. Um, but the, the first thing actually would be to know my worth and my journey hasn't been difficult you know I don't have a struggle story that a lot of people try to angle um and I think when you're a founder a black founder specifically people are always trying to angle for a struggle story and I'm like I don't really have one I just started an agency um after working in the industry for a while you know that's the story and it's a digital um business so there's not really many outgoing so I wasn't spending a lot of money but if I had known how much I was worth um my time my ideas and the the concept of the business from the beginning I think <laughs> I would have had a slightly easier journey um because I um I definitely worked hard not smart for a good two years out of my four-year kind of entrepreneur journey four years as I say that is nothing I've only been in this journey for four years that's not even like a big deal and sometimes I feel like I've been doing this for so long but actually 
I haven't just I've just realized that now as I said it (laughs) yeah but also I feel like it it shows a testament if you feel like you have been in it for so long of how much you've done in four years so I do want to recognize that as well because you've probably done so much more in four years that it feels like it's a lot longer but it just shows how much more you've got to go as well definitely but in year two I think it was um so just as I started the business um so in 2018 was I went freelance and I was thinking about starting the business and I was setting up 2019 I started the business um 2019 towards the end yeah it was in December I had a chat with this this woman I to this day I couldn't tell you who she was it was just like a really random event that I went to and it was a networking thing and I just had a chat with this this woman I think she was a coach um kind of like a business coach or a life coach and she just came into my life like a little angel and I didn't really realize at the time she um basically told me that my day rate was outrageously off like really low and she was like how are you like doing all of this I basically told her my um my career path and like what I've done and like all my jobs and then you know I'm freelance now I've just started my agency and we something came up and I was talking about day rates and I said oh that was my day rate and she was like what and I was just like yeah is that not good and she was like that's awful and considering the fact that I left my in-house what job as the um the European digital marketing manager so it was quite high well EMEA really but I focus I, I focus more on Europe but technically the EMEA uh, digital marketing manager for a global brand that's where I left and then I went into freelancing. So I had a lot of experience. I had a quite a high title. And if we think about pay, um, I definitely took a massive pay cut to go freelance because I didn't know how to work out a, an, a, a freelance day rate. Um, and I was worried about being too expensive. And actually now when I pay people and I like hire them and I look into how they work, obviously it's always budget dependent, but when they are really confident in their in their rate, but then have a really good amount of experience to share and I can visibly see what they've done, I'm happy to pay them. Um, whereas if they charge really low, I always question what, how that balances out or if they charge high with no experience, I'm like, obviously not. So I really did myself a disservice because I was charging too low and had, like my day rate was really low and my experience was really high and I don't think I was taking this seriously as I I don't don't know you know I can't tell you what people thought but I don't think I was taking this seriously as I needed to be um because I didn't know how to price myself and that is why I am so obsessed with um the pay gap and understanding your worth and, and financial um kind of education in the industry because no one was there to educate me I just made up numbers of what I thought was right and it clearly wasn't because everyone was being paid three to four times more than me with a lot of the time less experience so um if I had known how much I was worth then things wouldn't have been as difficult at the beginning when it came to my finances and I think I would have been less stressed for two years than I needed to be I think that's really important talking about financial education and I think that's what's so great about 7-6 and you know the space that you're creating and allowing for more transparency in that avenue which is very important because people should be paid their value but how are they supposed to do that when they don't know what it is so I think that's very important and I love how this kind of hopefully links into the last piece of the One Thing Handbook and talking about your peers or leaders in the industry. What is one thing you wish that they could do differently to positively impact the industry? I think they should listen more. I think there's a lot of action without, there's two sides. There's a lot of action with listening. So they're just doing stuff, looking at who else is doing it and seeing if they can help. Um, but then there's also just not a lot of listening and then people just getting on and doing stuff and doing it wrong. So I really, I'm a big fan of, of listening and I'm a big fan of collaboration. And I think a lot of agencies and 
brands need to sit down and look at who is doing the work who cares about creators who's trying to change change the space and help people understand how much they should be paid and should be worth and they should sit down with those people and form alliances form collaborations whatever partnerships and start making the conversation wider because I think with everyone understanding their worth and and how to be how to be the best they can be as a professional creator it doesn't harm the industry it actually makes it it stronger if people know how much they should be charging and everyone's charging the you know an appropriate rate and that kind of balances so it looks similar we'll never have standardization in our industry because of how the metrics work you know there's engagement versus following and you know you can have a really high following but low engagement and then you're not going to be paid as much as someone who has really really high engagement with a lower following um but I think that there's room for semi-standardization and just that understanding then helps create new kind of guidelines in the industry and just makes things easier and it's so much easier to work with creators who actually know what they're doing than those who don't um because that's when you get late content you get um content that doesn't hit the brief or just just not very good because you they don't know what they're doing whereas if everyone knows then it's going to be better yeah and that's amazing in terms of you know what can actually be done and when you're talking about the alliances and the partnerships and everything like these practical things that can be tangible and how to move the industry forward and where people everyone can be lifted up rather than it's a win-lose situation and everyone's thinking about what they'll lose versus what they'll gain and it's like hold on maybe if we come together like <laughs> it can take us a lot further together so I really love that you brought that and I mean we're closing the one thing handbook and I really appreciate everything that you've added to it I can imagine imagine a lot of creators in the space who may be who may be listening will really grab a lot from that but also founders and people in that area where they may be thinking about you know how do I get into this space so appreciate that Charlotte and I'm going to take us into our final segment which is a game and this is my favorite part of the podcast it's called keep or delete and what I'm going to do is throw three topics your way and we're going to do a bit of a quick fire round but I'm going to throw three topics your way and you have to decide whether you'll keep said topic. So it's a bit of you, something you're like, yep, if I'm building an ideal world, that's what I want to have in that world. Uh, or you either delete it and you're like, nah, I'm good. I can live without it. I'll throw it out. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So the first one is something that has come back into the fashion trend, which I have been very interested in. And it's flare jeans, you know. Oh, <laughs> I love strong. it. Flare jeans for me never went out. I've been wearing flare jeans since I was about 15. I love anything 70s I'm here for. Flare jeans keep always, every day. Wow, that was so like Passion. strong and affirmative. <laughs> I love that. And do you know what? I I mean, I came up in skinny jean era where that was oh. the only thing that was oh. around. And so when flare jeans came in, I said, what do I do? Like, I have really short legs as well. So I was like, how do I make this work? Like, what's going on? But it you knows. know what? If someone like you, Charlotte, who is like fashion guru, know what she's talking about, says flare jeans is everything, then yep. Flare jeans is everything, so I'll keep it too. <laughs> Love that. Just wear right. a platform. Platforms. Okay, yeah. cool. That I'll add that. You know, this is my advice segment for fashion. This is what we're gonna call it. Keep her okay. delete but elevated. Okay, so the next one, I'm very interested in your answer. We're staying in the fashion realm a little bit, but you may question if this is fashion. Socks and slides, you know, like sliders, socks and sliders, or oh, your face tells everything. What are you saying? keep or delete like I don't no, delete I'm there's a place do you know what there is a place for that and it's like hackney um but I'd like to consider myself more soho so I'm not in that world but you know people do it it's cool literally cool but I I just don't sit in that bracket okay fair I like the context you know like 
you given locations where people can express their socks and slides, you know, love and everything. Very interesting. I did gymnastics coaching for a while. And I mean, that was my life, like socks and slides. I was rocking up to the mm-hmm. gym, kick them slides off and get to it. But I hear it. So if I'm hanging about in Hackney, I'll do my socks and slides game and I'm rocking up in Soho. I'll do the flare jeans and the platforms. That there got go. it. Love it. Okay. So the last one is when it comes to jewelry and like your metals, first of all, do you mix your metals? And then second of all, in terms of keep or delete, you have to do pick one, delete the other. Gold jewelry versus silver jewelry. Which one are you keeping? Which one are you deleting? And would you ever mix the two? I pretty much only wear gold. Actually, I've only got two rings. Yeah, I only wear gold. I love gold. I do have a couple of silver pieces in my wardrobe. because I have like a bag that might have a silver thing or, you know, so I do have like three silver pieces and I don't mind mixing because I actually have one necklace that is my savior necklace that it's a silver necklace with a silver heart and then a gold heart as well. So because of that, I can then mix the jewelry because I don't actually have much silver, but um, you could get rid of silver and I could just wear gold for the rest of my life. And I pretty much almost exclusively do. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, to mixing metals, it's given a bit of a yes, but in terms of which one you're picking, gold is the winner. You're keeping it. Yeah. Okay. Well, in my world, I'd probably go on the other side, keep the silver. It's kind of my vibe at the minute, but I love people who rock gold jewelry. I think they look incredible and amazing. I feel like I'm not there yet, but I think it looks amazing. So, I mean, I feel like that was a pretty successful keeper delete. And we've gotten some fashion tips alongside that. So you've got like, as I said, elevated keeper delete segment and take that as you will, put it into your fashion handbook. And Charlotte, I mean, I can't believe we're coming to the end of the episode. It's been so much fun. I'd love to talk about, you know, your future and your career. What's coming up for you? What do you hope's coming up for 7-6? Wow. So 7-6, we've just grown the team again. Um, Lots of exciting things happening that I can't really talk about but lots of fun stuff it's Black History Month so there's lots of exciting projects that we're working on lots of fun with our talent um and lots of stuff coming out on social media so TBC on that um and same with me I've just finished um my recording for my BBC podcast and then also for the gadget show um and I'm excited to see what comes off the back of both of those um, in the TV and broadcasting world. Um, but yeah, just having fun. That, that is pretty much, I love my job. I love what I do. I love everyone I work with. So yeah, just more of that. Yeah, more of that, 100%. You can see like the joy like radiate through your face when you're saying this. So it's really exciting. And I mean, if people want to keep up with all the TBC and what's coming up, where should they follow you? Where should they follow 76? So 76 is 76 Agency on all social media platforms. Um, the letters, not the numbers. And then I am Charlotte 76, the letters, not the numbers on, um, on Instagram and most platforms twitter is i don't really use twitter but it's charlotte seven and then the number six because there's a character limit um but yeah i'm basically always on instagram so find me there amazing and for audacity we you can find us on social platforms as well as at audacity we we're also on linkedin as audacity we and you can listen to all of our episodes on all major streaming platforms and any questions you have please do email me at audacity at gmail.com but charlotte it's been incredible i've really enjoyed having you on the podcast thanks for joining me oh thank you so much for having me this was so fun and for all the listeners i will catch you on the next episode 